Welcome to True Independent Media, Real News Live. Hi, I'm Mike Barrow. Welcome to the show. Uh, my guest today, my special guest today is Marina Saren, all the way from Madrid, Spain. And she is an experiencer and I guess you would say a 20 and backer, right? You've been part of that program, Secret yeah. Space Program stuff. And we've been trying to arrange an interview for a couple of weeks, and I'm glad to finally have you here, Marina. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Mike. It's uh, it's good to be on with you. Your story is kind of different than a lot of other people's, and we're going to get into the details of that as we go on. There's a lot more spiritual information, which is interesting to me because I wrote a book about the melding of physics and spirituality um, about 10 years ago. So it'll be interesting for me to ask you some questions about how you view densities and dimensions and all that information you got. So I'm looking forward to that. But what I like to do is I like to start with just a series of quick questions, like one word answers, if you can, um, on yourself to give people an idea of who you are and how you got to this place. Okay. So just real basic stuff. You know, you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. Where were you born? I was born in Madrid, in Spain. In Spain. Where do you live now? In Madrid, Spain. <laughs> so you don't move around much. Um, do you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, I do. One older sister. One older sister. Um, what about your parents? What nationalities were they? Are they Spanish or something else? Both Spanish. Both Spanish. Um do you have a specific religious background? Do you go to a Catholic church or anything like that? Yes, in Spain, um, it's, it's very typical to like literally like take your kids to um, the church every Sunday. And to when you're like 10 years old, um, you it's very useful to have the like, communion. It's called like that. Yeah. You have uh, like a white dress, you know, you commune with God or whatever. I did it, but, you know, I was never too religious, you know. Never very religious in terms of the practice. I'm not right now. <laughs> I'm spiritual right now, but I'm not religious. Right. Got it. Um, okay. Have you ever been married? Probably. Married? Not. Yeah. Have you ever been no. married? No. <laughs> Do you yet. have any kids? <laughs> no. No. Okay. Silly questions to ask somebody your age. What are you, 23, 24? 23. 23. Very young. Um, what's your dream car? My dream car? Mm. Um. Well, I never really thought about that much. I love Teslas, but um, yeah, I will say a Tesla. A Tesla. Well, the but I also like like Volkswagen. I love that. Oh, really? Said, yes. Any any German car is great. I actually have a Volkswagen <laughs> right now. Actually, German, yeah. I've had BMWs. You know, once I sat in a German car, sat in my first BMW, I was like, I'm never buying anything but a German car. However, the correct answer for the dream car is Ferrari. So, um, do you watch or enjoy or play any sports? Yes, I will. I love every sport that is extreme, like skiing, you know, like scuba, like diving, you know, like not yes, snorkeling, like diving and snowboarding, you know, etc. And I actually wanted to try um, artistic uh, figure, like um, ice skating. You wanted to try it, but you never did. It's yeah. too late now, that's for sure. If you're going to go to the Olympics, <laughs> it's too late. Uh, do you own a gun? Excuse me? Do you own a gun? Oh, do I own a gun? Um, well, not really. 
I do have gowns that are powered with CO2, you know, mm-hmm. and but they're not, they don't have like real lamination. They're not real. But I'm on the process of getting like, um, like, um, how you call it, like an authorization from a the per- police. A permit or, uh, yeah. Okay. Exactly, yes. Okay. I'm going to get it. It's the permission to guns. I asked that question because it tells me a lot about the person's mindset, uh, which is interesting. Okay, two more questions. And everyone guns, well, that's it. <laughs> I, I don't have the permission yet, but I love guns. Yeah. Okay, that's good because so do I. All right. Um, how many countries have you visited besides Spain? Hmm. I have visited Portugal, France, Italy, Hungary, Cuba, and... And that's it, I think. Cuba. Wow, that Cuba would I bet that was beautiful. I've never been to Cuba. I've it was very beautiful, yes. I have it was, sailed past Cuba on a cruise, on an ancient aliens cruise, but that was years ago. Never been there. Uh, it's difficult for Americans to go there. And Hungary is an interesting answer yes. since I'm Aryan. 50%. Oh, cool. 50% of me anyway. Uh how many languages do you speak? I speak two languages fluently, Spanish and English, but mm-hmm. I'm a- I'm a beginner in German and Russian. Oh, you're going to learn German and Russian. Excellent. Okay, that's it. I just like to do that when I interview someone because it gives me a general idea of their background and what they, you know, how they approach things and where they've been in the world. All right. You are an experiencer. You've had um, contact, I guess, direct face-to-face contact with, uh, we'll call it, for the big term now is non-human intelligence, but we'll see about that. Um so um, the first question, I guess, and I, I know Linda asked you this and I want to ask you it again, is when did you first become aware that there was something different about you, that that you, there were some other visitors in your life? When I was a child, about like five or six years old, um, I have to say five or six, because like whenever I say one specific number and then I change, you know, number in another interview, randomly people say that I'm just like lying because I cannot point out a day. I'm not lying. It's just that I cannot remember the specific year or age that I was when it happened. Right. But like I say, around five, six year old, you know, I started to become aware that I was different. And it was like more of a feeling, you know, I know like when I would go to sleep, I would always feel a presence and I will know that I was being visited, but I couldn't tell who it was or what it was. I just know that I was being visited both by negative entities and positive entities. And so I remember that I will start telling my parents that I was not from this planet. (laughs) And I will say things like, no, I come from a different planet, you know, and they'll be like, no, what are you talking about? You were born from, you know, my mother, you know. You were in my womb, you know, you came out of me and I said, yeah, well, I teleported to your womb, mom. That's how I got here. (laughs) So I was basically describing the idea of incarnation, you know, and I was very sure. I was like very confident about that statement. And obviously, like I was very, very, very into like physics, you know, metaphysics, you know, and even spirituality. When I was um, more of like a eight year old child, kind of like a little bit older, I remember that um, I will play with my friends and I will show them that I have psychic abilities. And to them, you know, it will, they will not criticize me because we were children, so we will play, you know, and they will think it was like playing, you know. But like they realized I did have abilities and they were like, oh, you have powers, you know. And I was like, yes, we all have them. And, you know, that's it, you know. I, I used to use my abilities when I was a young child. <laughs> 
That's interesting. I I would say my first memories are all about space and aliens and watching rocket launches on TV. And it was so long ago. I mean, it was even black and white television and stuff. And I was about five or six also. I think that's when you you sort of separate from where you came from, from the other, the, you know, your, your, where we all go when this is over, wherever that is the higher dimension. And you start to like be grounded and that's when your memories really start to come in. So that's interesting, an interesting time. Okay. So you're psychic. You were psychic. You were born this way. This is not something you developed after your contact experiences. Is that correct? It is. It is correct. But it's true that we are all born with certain potential or certain genetics, you know, and when content happen, when contact happens, sometimes that experience triggers that those genetics to activate, you know, further, you know, and expand. So yeah, it depends on your own personal trajectory. So yeah, some people develop this after they got contact, but not because they didn't have it before, but because it was dormant, you know. Okay. Um, boy, I really hope this gets to this recording. Okay, double checking it. Um. Okay, so when you say psychic powers, what do you mean? Like the ability to predict the future? Would you look at someone and tell them you're going to get sick next week? Um, anything like that? What Can you give me an example of an experience? It doesn't have to be the first one, just a, a really strong experience that you have that, that helped confirm. Really, really strong experience? Well, I would go for the strongest. The, mo the strong experience um, psychic abilities that I have is weather manipulation. And this has to do with the Druids, you know, the Druidic, you know, the ancient Druids were pretty much connecting with the earth elements, you know, and working mm -hmm. very hardly with, you know, the earth magnetic field, you know, and the real energy or chi or prana, however you want to call it, to actually manipulate the weather, you know. And I I did it, you know, but, but like many times, you know, with the help of my Druidic, you know, um, guides. And that's the strongest abilities that I ever uh, presented but really i will say that that's the most shocking you know because you actually change something's physical right but like for me the most important one is channeling i have the ability to channel knowledge let's say like metaphysical knowledge for example that's interesting because you know people i, I write fiction and i write nonfiction, and um people are like well where do you get your ideas from and i said i I don't. I just I just sit there at the keyboard and I open my mind and everything just comes in and the words just come in and it just it writes itself. I don't have to write anything, which is a form of channeling. Weather manipulation is interesting. Uh, and I don't want I don't mean to tease you too much about this, but uh, it's supposed to rain this weekend for the Formula One race here in Las Vegas. So could you well. make it not rain? Because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go down and try to get a grand grandstand seat for less than, a, you know, three thousand dollars. And um <laughs> And so make it not rain. Okay. I'd rather not get rain. Do that. We'll keep in mind. All right. Give it, give it your best shot. So I, you know, last year about this time I was in Manchester for a conference there, Manchester, England, home of Manchester city football. Um, and I hung out with Whitley Strieber and I had a really interesting experience. Um, let me tell you that one real quick. I was, I was laying in bed my first night there and I was asleep and I, I tend to sleep on the side, on my side. And I, I was laying there and I was just dreaming away. And all of a sudden somebody like hit me in the back and I woke up and I was like, wow, this is really strange. This is odd. Um, and I checked my phone and it was three o'clock in the morning, exactly straight at three o'clock in the morning. So I didn't think much of it. 
went back to sleep. No problem. Woke up the next day. I'm down there having breakfast with Whitley Strieber. Now, you know who Whitley is, right? I just want to double check that. Obviously, the man who wrote the book Communion, big contacty guy. And we were just chatting and getting to know each other. And he said something about, he goes, well, yeah, you know, he goes, every night I commune with with the, the visitors. I wake up and I meditate and I try to communicate with them and I try to get them to send me information. And I'm sitting there going, oh, you do, huh? Uh, and my teeth are really tight. And I'm like, what, what time of night do you do that? And he goes, oh, at exactly three o'clock in the morning, which is exactly when I got hit. And I was in room 215 and I go, Whitley, what? what room are you staying in? And he said, room 216. So literally, whoever the visitors were, they were kind of passing through my room, I think, to get into his room, which was next to me. And they decided to just smack me and wake me up. That was a relatively conscious experience, except that I was asleep at the time. So there was this sort of non-consciousness. So Whitley's experiences have always been, he said, in an altered state of consciousness. I want to ask you now, I want to get to your visitations have yours always been in like an altered state of consciousness, like a sleep state or some odd paralysis state? Or have you had direct conscious contact with um, beings from other worlds or non-human intelligences or whatever you want to call it? I do have both. Like um, I have contact both in my dream state or in an altered state of consciousness, as you will put it. And also in a state in which I am conscious even though I'm not really like the brain waves that I'm emitting are not the same as to like a, like a r- random day, you know, of your life, you know, which you're operating with the same dynamics, you know, um, because like either I am in a state of, in which I am, um, I have a very transcendent, um, transcendental kind of thinking. So that gets me to deeper kind of like, let's say, um awareness, you know, myself and my reality or because I'm meditating, you know, and I'm in that, Actually, like an almost kind of trance state, but still conscious. But yeah, like there has been days in my life in which I was like living a normal day, and I was thinking things to myself, and I got telepathic messages, you know, from either ETs or guides, you know. And when I look it up, you know, the things that they will tell me, you know, they will make perfect total sense, you know, to what I was thinking or what I was asking, you know, because it was on a scientific matter, you know. So you know, or or it will happen next next uh, few hours or, or whatever. So, yeah, I experienced both. I experienced, you know, getting contact in sleep and also in a, in a conscious state of mind, I would say. A conscious state of mind, but not necessarily you're walking down the street and there's an alien standing there. Not that <laughs> Exactly. Kind of thing, right? Okay. Because, um, you know, Willie's had a few weird experiences like that or, or friends of his had where, you know, they're, they're at a bookstore or something and there's, there's, you know, aliens come in and flip through his book and start commenting on it. So, uh, okay, let's get to the, let's get to the visitations a little bit more. Um, there's a couple delicate questions I'm going to ask you later, but, um, the first one is how many different races or alien species have you seen and how would you describe them? I mean, I know we all have the standard grays, but, um, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've contacted with them, but can you give me a few uh, highlights in terms of the uh, the races? Sure, I will say I will have to count with my fingers. <laughs> um, probably I've known more, I've come across more species that I thought, you know, because that's the experience for like literally anyone, you know, that is active, you know, in the field of contacting aliens, you know. Um, so 
but like the ones that I contacted uh, consciously or that I remember, you know, I will say it's obviously, firstly, we have the Greys, we have the Andromedans, the Reptilians, the Anunnaki, uh, various races within the Anunnaki. Some were completely different, you know, from one another. So some were more humanoid and some were more hybrid between reptilian and human. And some were positive and some were not. <laughs> um, Draconians, Reptilians, um, Arcturians, uh, Grey Hybrids, um, Lyrans I've seen too, and Nordics, Pleiadians and Nordics, you know, pretty much like a lot. Interesting. Okay, so let me ask you about each of those. Let's go down the... Um... Something happened on your end with your voice. I know you're sound like a robot. <laughs> uh, is it better now? Is it better now? No, no you sound like a robot. <laughs> sound like a robot. Shitsky. All right, hang on. Let's see if we can fix that. Classic. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Is it still a problem? It is. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a problem. I can hear you, but you uh, sound like a Well, then let's ignore it. I well, I don't know what it sounds like on the recording. Let me pause the recording. <laughs> Okay, let's go down. Oh, somebody's calling me from the United Kingdom. I'm not going to talk to you. Let's go down the list and talk about each of these different species a little bit, what their characteristics are. Um, I'm interested in, well, all of them. You said the Dracos, the Draconians, and the Reptiles. Now, are they two different species or are most of them from the Draco uh, system? They are different species because, like, there are some reptilians. I mean, obviously, all humanoids are going to have, like, a common, you know, origin, you know, in the universe. And all reptiloids or reptilians are going to have a common origin, you know, and as well as amphibians, etc. you know. But, like, it's true that there are many different, like, a vast of, like, many different um, races among the reptilians or the dracos, you know. The dracos are obviously from Alpha the Draconia. Um, they are from that constellation and they're much bigger than the average reptilians, you know. They have, like, some of them even have wings, you know, and a bigger, like, tail. And they are, they they have a very big body. They're very tall, you know, like six feet tall or something. Like, uh, I don't know how much fits, because I don't, I don't work with fits. I work with meters. I'm from Europe. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, but um, the reptilians tend to be more from Orion, you know, and they're much smaller, you know. So... I are do they, see it. Are the reptile reptiles are they all universally negative entities or are some of them positive? No, that's not true. I mean, generally here in Earth, you know, because of our specific, you know, background, like historical background, etc. We do have like it's very common that our uh, encounters with the reptilians are negative, and not just because of our history, as to like our collective history. And our own exopolitics, you know, like issues with them in exopolitics, but also because, you know, we are mammals. So our reptilian brain, whenever they see something like some um, entity that is reptilian, there's a part of our reptilian brain that is going to get obviously triggered, you know. If we haven't uh, integrated within us the reptilian aspect, that they give it away um, to us in our genetics when we were created, you know, as a species. Mm -hmm. So you know, all that, all those aspects or dynamics about like flight or fright, 
flight or flight response, you know, or attack victim, etc. Like those polarities, you know, it's going to trigger us if we haven't integrated that, you know, much within ourselves. But, you know, there are many positive or even neutral, you know, reptilians out there. Positive and or neutral. That's interesting. Uh, you don't hear that very often. I mean, yeah, I could make some jokes about reptilians, but... <laughs> Linda likes to tease Linda a lot about the reptilians. Okay. Um, all right. What about the grays? Let's talk about the basic grays. We have the basic three foot tall, big black eyes. Um, how do you view them and what's your experience with them? Uh, my most hated uh, species. Okay. I dislike the most, I will say, because I had the, the, the worst experience with them. Um I don't want, I don't like to judge, you know, I'm a little bit of an um, intergalactic racist, you know, <laughs> because I, I judge a lot, you know, race. But um, I would like well, to say that there are some that are completely, again, neutral or even positive, you know, and they don't, they will never bother me, you know. Uh, but, you know, the grays in general tend to be very agenda based and they tend to be very manipulative, very, um, very, very manipulative and they lie a lot, you know, they just... They're sneaky. They, they just want to get things, you know. Right. And, and you know, it's okay to judge. It's okay to judge because the, look, the, the truth is, from my perspective, these uh, these races are weaker than us. They may have better technology, but they're weaker. They're they're here because they need something from us. They're not here for the water or the oil or the atmosphere or any of that other stuff that can be had anywhere in the universe, all over this uh, galaxy, all over the solar system. They're here for us, and they're here because they they're weaker than us, and they need something from us. And that pisses me off. And I, you know, I'd like to get them to fuck off of our planet. Well, maybe it's not our planet, but I, I view it as our planet at the moment. So it's okay to judge. I mean, if you've had negative experiences with them, go ahead and judge as far as I'm concerned. I, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, thank, you. <laughs> thank you. Because in the, in, in other like parts of the new age or UFO community, like they are, they roman, they romantize so bad, you know, gray alien abduction, etc. They are so obsessed with them that I have, I do believe, I perceive that they have developed what is called Stockholm syndrome, you know, and they will defend them to death, you know, like no, they're all great and they are here for a good purpose to save us all from no, 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 no. Wait a minute, you know, <laughs> they are not here for what you think. Uh, some of some of them might be, you know, here to help or just exploring, you know, like you know, some occasion here and whatever. But the majority of aliens, mostly the greys that are abducting humans, they are here for agenda purposes. And they're telling the whole species that they're making those hybrid humans, you know, between grey and human, for us to be held and evolve further. And that they will land one day and they will become one with us. No, that's a passive invasion. That's a passive invasion. And they took me, I was like three years, like totally brainwashed, you know. I was defending them to death again, like like those other, you know, people, you know, and romanticizing the whole thing. Like, oh, yeah, like I got adopted and I got forced to be a mother and all those things. But like, it's all for the better of humanity and them. And no, 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 no. So when I woke up and I said, you know what, you know, you can fuck off. You know, I don't want transhumanism in my species. I don't want you to do genetic iterations. I don't want you to come and land here and become part of our society or civilization. I want to evolve naturally, not with your genetics. And your genetics are actually polluted, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't want them in my DNA. It's totally dysgenic to mix with you. I don't want to do anything with you. They got so angry that I got attacked and harassed 
every day, every day I will have nightmares with the grace. They will try to harass my sleep state, my conscious state, my meditative state, uh, my conduct experiences. And they will do, they will be so, so annoying to the point in which I have to reach for farther, you know, help. And finally, after one year fighting them, I got them like out of my, um, let's say, energetic field. But they were very angry and they threatened me to even kill me. They threatened me directly. They said that they will kill me, you know, if I will keep going forward in literally creating negative propaganda about their agenda. Because, you know, people are brainwashed and they don't want to wake up. So if somebody comes, if somebody that defend them then for some, some, so much, so many, much, many years, you know, suddenly comes and say, hey, I had this negative experience and I realized this and that and that. Obviously, it's going to not be, you know, positive for them and it's not going to work for them. So they got very angry, you know. And so when I started to talk, you know, like negatively about them and I and and share my 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 own experience, you know, and my testimony, you know, on that great hybrid abductions and and high um, scenarios, you know, um, people started to say, you know, I experienced that, too, you know, and they got very angry. So I keep moving forward and th they threat me. But I said, you can threaten me all you want, you know. You're weaker than I am, um, and I'm not. I'm not scared of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, yeah. if ever if they would ever have the balls to like show up in this 3D reality without all their gadgets and toys, uh, could clean up the room with them pretty easily. They're little scrawny, little wimpy guys. Um, it's interesting that you say that because I had a I was on a TV show called Uncovering Aliens, which I did for uh, Discovery Networks back in 2014 or so. And we had a guy on there, um, Stephen Jones, who was an experiencer like you. And he was like, oh, you know, oh, they're, they're here, you know, they're here to help us. He was British. They're here to help us. They're going to help us in the next step of our evolution. And I was like, oh. Stephen, we didn't ask. We didn't ask for any help. It's none of their fucking business. And um, OK, I, I, and I can obviously tell this struck a nerve. So you have more you want to say. I just, you know, I was like, I think you're I think you're being delusional. And I thought he was Stockholm syndrome. So um, yeah. anyway, finish your thought on that one. Yeah, I get what you mean. You know, I hear a lot of those people, you know, because they're, they all have the same script, you know, in their programming mm -hmm. that they are here to help us, that they are the next step in human evolution. And that, you know, they even like the main person right now, the main ET or channeler of the ET that is um, great hybrid, that is trying to push this agenda of great hybrids being the next part of evolution. Actually, you know, um, he exposed himself many times, you know, because he said he people that are program didn't notice, but some that were awakening notice. And is that, you know, he literally said it's either us or you go towards a path of evolution in which you become the grace and you destroy yourselves. And it's like, no, it's not, it's not even this or that, you know? There's multiple options and like millions of probabilities. So mm. you're actually like, you're being very, very stupid, you know, and exposing yourself for the lies, the liar that you are, you know? And some people were like scared, you know, like, oh my God, really? So I have to accept them. Otherwise I will not evolve. And they're truly programmed with it, you know, with that script. They, they, they just don't understand, you know, that there's no A or B plan, you know, for humanity. There's like multiple, you know, quantum probabilities and timelines. So why will they have to listen to some species, you know, that obviously are gender based, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, they do have an agenda and it's genetic. And I think what it is is, see, I, I think the purpose of existence, consciousness itself, is to end this physical life closer to God than you were when you came here. That's what I believe we're here for. And I think the human path that we chose to get there as a species is free will. And they don't have free will. I think it's pretty obvious from people that have encountered them. I think they chose intellect and I think their end, their path is a dead end. And now they're here trying to integrate their genetics with ours so that they can get on our path. And I, I don't think we should let them. And I think they lost and they should just take the L and uh, go back into the refuse pile. Take the L, go away. Um, okay, I want to ask you, we're, we're a little short um, on time here. We got to have to start a new session, but that's okay. We're going to make uh, we're going to make all the time for Marina that we can. Um, I want to ask you about, I had a friend, um, we're not friends anymore, but I had a friend and she was... Uh, lived in New York City, and she got into her early 20s, and one night, she wakes up in the middle of the night, and there's, her boyfriend is dead asleep, she can't wake him up, and there's three grays at the foot of the bed, and crooked under her arm is a half-breed human-alien baby, and she said, and I instantly knew that it was mine. And they were sitting there watching me and they wanted me to like love it or whatever that, you know, to give it some affection because they were trying to learn how to make the baby flourish. And I guess what I wanted to ask you is, has anything like that ever happened to you? Have you ever gotten that far along in the process with what they did to you? Yes. Yes, and it was a very sneaky, you know, the process that they all try to um, go forward with because, you know, um, the gray, the main gray that was part of my specific uh, participation, you know, in this uh, program, you know, that makes the, his genetics with me, the father of, of two of my my children, I don't call them mine anymore, but, you know, those children, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, he reached out to me in an astral experience, you know, and he was holding a baby and he was showing up to me like, look, it's yours. And, you know, it's your baby. Give it some love, you know, give it some affection. And at the beginning, you know, I was like, oh, it's it's cute. But like, I don't I didn't consent to this consciously. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to give it love to it, you know. And so I remember that since he observed that, you know, that I was like, non-bother, you know, like, leave me alone kind of thing. The next time they actually got into my dream state, you know, and the way that they had to try to make me feel a connection, like an affection for that baby is to, in my dream state, change, you know, like in, like if we were talking about a whole graphic you know um the same matrix right because is it it is it is a holographic projection they were trying to change you know the like the baby's appearance into the um the the shape of my cat right so that i love so much you know so in my dream i saw my cat you know and i was i took it you know and i i, I obviously like give it a lot of love and affection but i felt that something you know energetically was different you know I felt that it was not my cat, you know, consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's something wrong. And because of that, you know, because of me becoming aware of that, you know, um, I could see through, you know, this cream, you know, that they put into that baby. And I suddenly, I started, it started glitching in my dream. And instead of my cat, I saw the baby 
And I was like, oh my goodness, you know? And so every time that I will see my cat in my dreams again or my astral experiences, I will be like, no, <laughs> I know who you are. You're not my cat. Yeah, not to keep harping back on Whitley Strieber, but yeah, he saw owls. You know, they put owls in his mind when it was <laughs> them. And uh, that reminds me, I forgot to ask you one of the other questions I ask at the top, which I forgot to ask you is dogs or cats. I guess we're, I guess we have our answer. It's cats with you. I love cats too. Um, but that is, yeah, it is dirty and it is deceptive. And um, and here's the thing, you know, you can't replicate. Love is not something that that you can you can fabricate. Okay, when a child is conceived between two people, two human beings, there is love involved. I mean, there is some sort of love. Even if even even if it's accidental, even if it's lust, lust is a form of love as far as I'm concerned. And and so there is some human love that happens to create that child. But when you fabricate it, when you manufacture it, when you pull the eggs from a woman and put it together with some other genetics you got from somewhere else, and do that in a laboratory, that's not the same thing. So it's actually kind of bizarre that they even expected you to be able to have that feeling. It's like, again, I think it shows their stupidity. It shows how dumb they are, that they think that genetics, which is just physical programming, right, can can somehow create a, a bond of love that has to be, it, it's, it's a spiritual thing. Am, am I wrong or is that you, what you think the problem was? And actually, they learned that many of their babies fabricated in a laboratory were dying because they were not being conceived with love and because they were, were not receiving love, you know, uh, love from any person or any parent, you know, figure. So they were dying. They couldn't maintain themselves, you know, in that frequency state, you know, there was too much trauma coming from the mother being literally raped, you know, and then mm -hmm. those species that lost their sense of their, their emotional bodies. So they will be dying. That's why they insist, you know, that the abductees suddenly create like a bond or an, like an affection, you know, towards the child because they know they need it. Yeah, but that and again, that's not. That's not the same. You can't you can't just force yourself to love something that you didn't conceive exactly. in love, right? Especially if you could, like you say, if you conceived in something that was very traumatic. Okay, um, we are going to move on to part two of this interview um, in a few minutes. So what I'm going to do is we're going to start over again with a new um, new meeting, new recording. And when we come back, we're going to talk to you a little bit more about these different species. And specifically, what I want to ask you about is if you have ever encountered the praying mantis types. So when we come back, because I think they're behind the grays. And when we come back, we are going to discuss that with Marina Saren in part two. Thanks for being here. Okay, uh, we're back now with Marina Saren, part two of our interview with her from Madrid. Welcome back. We got the dogs or cats thing straightened out. So um, before the break, we were talking about the greys and you had a lot of strong feelings about them, most of which I agree with. I don't I don't view them as positive. I think the people that have thought about them or talked about them as positive do have Stockholm syndrome. I mean, and again, not to keep talking about Whitley Strieber, but he's had a lot of direct contacts with the greys. And you know, he's got this whole thing. Um, they've been telling him for 30 years now that, oh, our environment is going to hell and our planet's going to be destroyed and, you know, global warming and all this shit. 
And it's all bullshit and none of it's ever happened. And it's like, at what point do you get out of the Stockholm syndrome? And do you say to yourself, um, wow, you know, uh, maybe this isn't actually happening after all. And maybe these guys have lied. Maybe these fuckers have lied to me. Um, So I don't I don't know. What do you what's your response to that? I, I mean, I do think that they're 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 not to be trusted. They're not to be trusted. And I actually had a um, I did a like a Zoom chat, you know, or interview with uh, with Liz Trevor, you know, once, you know, for YouTube. And I remember that we were talking about that. We were I was trying to convince him about, you know, that he was being, you know, he was in a state of like complete like um rank, like I will say, yeah, like what what the the word that I mentioned before, you know, like Stockholm syndrome, you know, that he actually was too attached to those consciousness and that those consciousness were actually lying to him and even using like emotionally, very, very strong emotional manipulation, you know, Mm -hmm. with him on his end because of what he experienced, you know, with the loss of her, you know, his um partner, you know. So these beings are not stupid. And they will go forward with the very, very like um the deepest you know, fear of ours or, or, or pain, you know, within our emotional body. And I tried to make him know that he got emotional and he started saying, well, you know, if we, if we, if it was not because of them, you know, I wouldn't have been able to contact my wife, you know? And I was like, yeah, but because they give you something positive in your life doesn't mean that what they bring all together is positive, you know, in general. If right. I wanted to manipulate somebody, I will I will not be like aggressive and abusive, you know, out, you know, all the way, you know, I will get like I will get them something that I know that is going to be positive on their end that they're going to appreciate, you know, and be thankful for so that they like me. And now is when I come with my own agenda and my own, you know, interests in, you know, I take action, you know. So I I try to make him understand that, you know, but I think he's still, you know, following that path. And I agree on that, you know, narrative, you know, the whole like you're the stranger planet, you know, uh, making us, you know, the bad guys and they the the saviors, you know, the beautiful heroes that care right. so much about the mother earth and Gaia. No, you know, it's pure, it's manipulation, you know, the earth climate, you know, the climate change, you know, is changing, but not because it's strong. The earth is very it strong, is. very resilient. But the climate, the climate's changing, not because, um, not because of pollution and stuff, you know, CO2, life, carbon footprint, but because there is a pole shift going on right now. It's it always happened every 25,000 years. A pole shift happens and there are weather changes, climate changes, but it's natural. It's not caused by yeah, CO2. 25,920 years to be exact. But yeah, it's a processional cycle and it actually has to do with the very large undiscovered planets out there that come in to certain alignments, which trigger the hyperdimensional physics and make the Earth try to get back into resonance with a system that's broken because there's two exploded planets in this solar system, at a minimum, two exploded planets. Anyway, so the system is messed up and the Earth is trying to realign itself. But I don't think it's going to be necessarily a catastrophic shift. You can have magnetic pole shifts, which are fairly minor in their effects on on people. And yeah, but yeah, you're right. It's like you know, you look at him, and it's like psychologically they broke him down by traumatizing him. And then oh, you know, they give you oh, we'll give you a clean a clean prison outfit, or we'll give you a little bit of food, and all of a sudden you're grateful for that. So they are manipulating him to put out this information, and like you say, trying to make us humans bad i mean that this planet can certainly sustain 
way more human beings that are on it right now. I mean, you could put every single human being on this planet with half an acre inside the state of Texas in, in you know, the United States. Drive through Montana sometime and tell me this planet's overpopulated. It's not. It's a bunch of BS. All right. Um, I want to get behind the grays. Who is behind the grays? Because I don't, I don't know from, I've never had an experience with them that I'm aware of. Uh, I've had a couple of very vivid dreams and I'm not really sure about them or their agenda or how real those experiences were. I think they were real, but um, there are people who say that behind them, there are other species that are controlling them and manipulating them. And one of them that comes up is the so-called praying mantises. Now I have a friend, Tom Reed, who's had a very famous uh, direct abduction experience, his entire family when he was a little boy. It's fairly well documented. There are about 250 witnesses that were uh, around that particular evening that saw all kinds of weird stuff going on in the sky. So there's documentation, documentation of that. They terrify him. And the guy I mentioned before, Stephen Jones, when we were doing the show, Daryl Sims, I don't know. Do you know Daryl? Daryl Sims yeah. from Texas? He doesn't think, you know, he's like aliens bad. And that's why they like Stephen, because Stephen's for aliens good. And Daryl's like, aliens bad. We must chop him up and, uh, you know, chop him up into sushi and it tastes like chicken. So Daryl was negative, but he has this like, like, um, it's like a sketchbook, like a police sketchbook where you put different eyes and noses and mouths and chins together. And we were actually on set. We were filming a guy who had an abduction experience. And Daryl put this and he, and he came up with, you know, he came up with the mantis type head and, um, and you know, one of these. And Stephen saw that and it terrified him. He had to leave the room. He couldn't be in with, in, in, with the, in the room with it because obviously he'd seen these beings and they were not nice to him. So I want to ask you, have you had any experiences with the mantises? And what do you know about them? Where are they from? Yes, I actually do have uh well well no it's not working. It's too Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um maybe maybe if I do this, maybe that's yeah. Better. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah, I do I do have also like a sketch, you know, of these mantis because I did have encounters with them. And all I can say is that what I know about them is that they are the masters of genetic um iterations or genetic uh, manipulation in this planet too. i mean in this in this um universe or this galaxy you know and many species know that many species know that they master that science you know of genetic manipulation mm -hmm. and it's true that they are one of the um most you know there you go yes exactly that's what, yeah i don't i don't know what the people are seeing but yeah that's that's what yeah. tom saw that's what he sketched <laughs> Okay. Yes. So those beings are masters in genetic manipulation and they are the ones that the Grace contacted to um um because they were so desperate, you know, that they asked them for help, you know, in this whole hybrid, you know, grage and the process. And so it's true that the great these mantis are behind them because they are helping them, you know, in what they ask, you know. So yeah, it's true that I did I did have experiences with mantis, mantid encounters uh, in my um, you know gray hybrid abduction scenarios, and you know my story, my story with this whole program, you know, and uh, some other beings that um, are not 
insectoid or gray were also actually also involved, which are some Pleiadians and some Syrians. Now, I'm not saying that all Pleiadians and Syrians are pro-gray hybrids, not true. Only a small portion of them, like very specific races, you know, have decided to help them because they think that they are doing something good for them, you know. Uh, it's like a matter of like, you know, yeah, like uh, agreements, like soul contract stuff, you know. Uh, but like, um, so I do have an experience, you know, in my life that I never really shared away in interviews at all because I didn't want people to romanticize further the gray hybrid scenarios or programs. Uh, and I know how people are. So for that matter, I never share, but I think it's time to share. Uh, when I was about 17 years old, I had a sexual encounter with a Palladian. And I, I, I <laughs> yeah, um, it, he was very handsome. He was very beautiful, attractive, whatever. And it was wholesome, you know, the experience. I don't know. <laughs> um, and it's what you say it was a, <laughs> was, it was a wholesome experience. Is that what you said? Yes, it was. Cause you know, um, okay. not just like sexual pleasure. It was, there was love, you know, between okay. that consciousness and okay. I. So it was not like us just having sexual energy exchange. It was love in exchange. Right. It was like, a sort of communion, you know, as we will say, you know. And I do remember that I had a friend by then, you know, who's a very, very, very pro-gray hybrid person that had the same experience or similar experience. She was actually also having visits, you know, you know, at night uh, from a being and she was having sex, you know, on an altered state of consciousness with this con this other, you know, consciousness. So because she heard my story, she reached out to me saying, hey, I do have similar experiences and I do channel and depict, you know, beings. So may I um, depict your being, you know, um, in and you kind of like make a 3D, um, let's say, um, drawing of mine, you know, because I have it in 2D, but I want it in 3D, you know, and I do 3D art. So it was like an exchange of services. And I say, yes, you know, sure. So she depicted, you know, a pleading being with very long, dark hair and very, very blue eyes, um, very beautiful eyes, you know, and, and, you know, very handsome, whatever. And I was like, I recognize him. And I was like, I instantly got memories of me when I was younger being on ships, you know, with mantid beings, that pleading and other pleadians or Syrians and gray beings. So I actually, I instantly remember that they were part of the that great heavy program and I didn't know why, you know? So I started to not, uh, let's say, to not feel attracted to this pleading anymore. <laughs> and I remember that the time in which I started speaking out and, and against the gray hybrids i was abducted you know i saw the gray that hold the baby you know held the baby you know in my past experience you know looking at me with no expression because they don't have facial expressions but the very very like threatening energy you know and then i switched to another um room in which the pleading was there and he was looking at me like this you know with his arms crossed you know and like this like very very mad at me you know and telling me you fucked this, you know, you fucked this over or whatever. And I was like, I don't care about you anymore. Like, you can say whatever. I don't like you. You can fuck off, you know. <laughs> it's basically <laughs> what I told him, you know. Um, so I never had an encounter with him anymore. But, you know, when I was um, I was being visited by other beings, 
I'm not going to go into that story, but I was going, I was getting visited by another lover, you know, from other projects, other connections, other groups, you know, whatever. And it was a lover too, you know, but this time, you know, it was not, you know, agenda based, you know, it was a true lover. Um, he tried to manipulate me and he appeared in my dreams trying to kind of like make me change my mind or heart. And I was like, no, it's over. You know, now that I know that you're part of this agenda, I'm not going to be in contact with you anymore. So again, you can, you can fuck off. <laughs> and so, you know, I never shared this story. Why? Because I know how many new agers are. They dream about, you know, having sex with Pleiadians. And if I tell this experience, many of them are going to be like, okay, whatever, I will send my my species and my race and my planet and my genetics just for the sake of having sex with a Pleiadian. <laughs> so I never shared the, this story because I knew how they were. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's going to, I mean, it'll, it can change people's perception of you and, and yeah. things like that. And it's like, the thing is when you're 17, you know, you're, it's easy to manipulate a young girl. Yeah. I mean, and do you think, are you saying that you think that they like inserted an emotional connection that maybe wasn't really there? He was just using you? Yes. I don't think that that being didn't have any feelings for me. I just think that he was nice. He was loving towards me when he believed that I was going to move forward in that direction, you know, along with him and the gray and the mantis, you know, in what he wanted to, you know, co-create, whatever. But when he saw that I was not that person, that I was not going to do what they wanted, you know, that's when his feelings and my feelings, you know, change, you know, and when he got mad at me. But I do yeah. think that there was still, even if there was love, you know, I do know that there was a still like an intentional manipulation, you know, for me when I was younger. Well, there's a, I hate to, I hate to invoke Taylor Swift here, but there is a Taylor Swift <laughs> When you're 15 and a boy tells you he loves you, you believe him. And I think the same thing applies to a 17-year-old girl. So yeah. it sounds like manipulation to me. It sounds like, um, you know, manipulation, obviously, for um, for reproductive purposes. And and we talked earlier about how with the grays, they're so ugly. I don't see how you could get <laughs> attached to them emotionally. And any offspring that were created, you couldn't be attached to. This sounds like they tried a different path with you. And, yes. and try to manipulate your emotions so that anything that was produced from the union, you would you would love. So it sounds like more manipulation along the same lines, which is exactly. Uh, and they push a lot of the idea of a family, right? Mm -hmm. And I know it's true. Yeah, and it's it's just wrong. This brings us. We may as well talk about some of the other races. If you're if you're done with that, do you have anything more you want to add to that story, or anything you want to? Want to say to oh people. yeah, I want to add to the story that Bashar, which is the the main you know ET gray hybrid pushing this agenda, he's an asshole. He was part of um the the group of beings that attacked me, you know, for a one year stride, you know, in which they they threatened me to you know they threatened my life and they said that they will you know that I should go away from my body, and their excuse his excuse was that I was not in alignment with my true self. He was completely manipulating me. I was 20 years old. He was manipulating me. He was convincing me that I had to leave my physical vessel, you know? And Carol Anka Bashar? Yeah. Really? He was just down at the he was just down at the Stairway to the Stars thing. I was in Vegas here this weekend. I was down there. I didn't see him. I've known him for a long time, but um wow. I did not know that about him. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. Keep remote, keep remote all the BS, you know, that the government wanted to take on our bodies on 2020. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to mention the word, but, you know, 
<laughs> he promoted that and he said that you know if we voted trump if we will vote trump you know the world would go down the path of the grace and destruction and that we had to vote biden in order for <laughs> in order biden, for yeah. to- let, let me just be clear joe biden's a fucking pedophile okay among many other things and as i'm in or survivor i can I can confirm that because I have seen clones of Joe Biden in Enkiltra facilities where there's sex traffic of monarchs like me. And he was with children. Okay. So it's confirmed. We don't, we need, yeah. we all seen those videos. So we, we don't need this confirmation, but I can yeah. confirm this farther. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I did not feel good energy down there during that gathering when I was there. And I thought, well, you know, you've had a few beers, maybe you're just in, you know, bad mood but maybe again anybody who thinks that the biden side are the good guys is whacked as far i mean like literally you cannot see who trump is and what he's trying to do you're you're just an idiot and it's so um okay i'm sorry i I interrupted you again a couple times if you'd like to do you have anything else you want to add to that bashar is not somebody you would trust is what you're saying never i mean he was part of that attack. He interrupted in many of my contact experiences with other beings many times because, you know, I did have um, contact experiences directly with Vashai in which he said, you know, when I was becoming, you know, in, um, known in the UFO community and I was talking about the hybrids, you know, and I was part of that, you know, belief system and, and I was pro gray hybrid. And I, I had many contact, you know, experiences with Bashar and in which he was like, we had to prepare the people, you know, for the hybrids to land and everything. And when he realized that I was taking a turn, you know, in my direction, in my, in my life, you know, in my path, and I was start working with them, realizing who they are, realizing the truth of all how dysgenic they are, you know, to our genetics and co-working, starting co-working and reconnecting with my original soul mission. He was completely annoying, harassing, you know, and he attacked me multiple times, you know, along with the other gray hybrids and they tried to kill me, you know. And I was actually also working for Bashar Communications, a company, you know, and I immediately stopped working with them. I said, no, I reject any jobs. You know, I was an artist, you know, for them, you know, but I said, no, I'm not going to work with you anymore. And yes, I would not trust that person or that channel or, you know, in any ways, you know, he, I, I do believe that I, everyone is waking up to the fact that he's completely agenda based, you know, I mean, you know, for a channel to say what to do, who to vote, you know, and that they have to accept, you know, a genetic iteration. Otherwise, you will destroy yourselves. That doesn't make sense. How anybody will not see this, you know? Yeah. Well, because they're they're full. Well, look, the vast majority of people in the UFO community want to be part of something big. That's that's exactly what this is that's about. true. And, and they're so tired of their lives, mm-hmm. you know, that they want so bad something outwardly that they will buy they will just you know buy whatever it is so if yeah. they are sold this story they will be like yes yes whatever that makes my reality different and outwardly so yep. they sell themselves fascinating stuff um okay so you mentioned pleiadians nordics um let me ask you a quick question it's kind of off the cuff there are people who think that melania trump is pleiadian do you to your knowledge is she or is she not I never perform any reading on her specifically, but you know, if people collectively get that feeling from her, it might be true, you know, because there are well, it's, right. it's interesting. There is a YouTube channel called The Gunner's Wife, and she is a little bit crazy, 
And I've had, I've been, you know, in good, in good, on good terms with her. And then on very bad terms with her, she's very religious, very strict Christian. And I, you know, I'm not, I like, I like girl. I, I believe in Jesus. I believe, you know, I talk to him, um, but I'm not, I'm not a strict practicing Christian, but she does lip reading and she's very good at it. And she's done lip reading on this guy who appears to be John F. Kennedy Jr. still alive and his wife who appears to be still alive and all this interesting stuff. But she's done a couple of lip readings that were really interesting. There was an, uh, the State of the Union address, which is something the president's required to do every year in America in 2020 where they attempted to assassinate President Trump with poison on their hands. They had poison. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, the typical poison in your hands. You shake one guy's hand and that that's the poison. And you shake the second person's hand and that's the activator. And that's why Trump would not shake the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi's hand. She stuck her hand out and he turned around because he knew the plot. Anyway, the lip reading around that, there were people talking openly talking about Democrat, mostly Democrats and some Republicans about how he was going to die. They were going to kill him. And we're going to get we're going to get her to Melania because Trump thinks his Pleiadian can protect him. And she can't is what they were saying. And then there's another video, which is the night that Donald Trump got elected in 2016. And he's up on stage in New York City and he's, you know, everybody's applauding and he's applauding back. And he turns to her, Melania, and he says, and you, it's as clear as day. This is like peering through your time machine. So those are great. I'll send you those later on. I'll send you those offline. You got to, because although she's a little bit crazy, that doesn't make her lip reading wrong, you know? Um, and I, so I, that's why I asked the question, because I'm just curious about whether you know anything. Maybe you could do you could take an action item here out of this meeting and you can do a reading on her at some point. Yeah, definitely. We'll Sounds to. good. All right. I want to move on to some of the other races. Um, unless you have any more you want to finish off there. The, when people talk about the Nordics and the Pleiadians, are we talking about the same species there? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, some Pleiadians are Nordics and some Nordics are Pleiadians, but that doesn't have to be hand in hand necessarily okay um and we also assume all pleiadians are good and you're saying you've had interactions with some because that guy you said that guy the guy that came to you when you were 17 was pleiadian yeah. right yeah um, so not all of them are good right they're just like people they're just like human beings there's some good ones and some bad ones right correct yes and there are many anunnaki that are from pleiades the galaxy and they're not positive oriented so okay, so let's go to the Anunnaki, who we generally regard through the work of Zechariah Sitchin, which I know he channeled most of it. He didn't actually read those cylinder seals, guys. He actually channeled most of it. Um, and and by the way, he also has stated privately to people before he passed away that Enki is still alive and still on Earth and has changed his genetics to look like us. And he even told me who he was, and I was like, wow, that's pretty bizarre because there he is. Um, but the Anunnaki are generally regarded to come from this planet Nibiru, which supposedly orbits around our solar system or through our solar system every 3,600 years. Personally, my research indicates that's not correct, that yeah. it, at, at, at best, it it's like it maybe came through once and maybe it comes through every so often, but it's only in the outer solar system. So what do you know about the Anunnaki? And um, let's start with the, the more basic human looking ones uh, that, yeah. that look like giants. Um, Tell us the Anunnaki is such a general world because, you know, 
Um, it was created, it was, it definitely means something because, you know, it's Anunnaki or something like that, you know, which basically means those who come from heaven, you know, right. down to their life. So right. it was definitely a way to name, like for humans to name those who literally came from, you know, the space, the outer space, mm-hmm. you know, and landed, you know, and to this planet and interacted with us, you know. Or some say that it might refer to them as being fallen angel genetic material the nephilim etc you know but that's like a lot of you know occult you know history stuff you know but like generally speaking the anunnaki is um the anunnaki are like a species of uh, mainly humanoid consciousness but not necessarily humanoid and they have a very specific origin but they took so many different genetic iterations uh, um in their own path of evolution you know seems like millennia of years ago you know like time and eons of time you know that you know uh we have a like a very big you know majority of of different like anunnaki races or groups or families you know even spiritual families or lineages you know that are not the same you know um specific groups so when you say anunnaki here Firstly, most people think of like those who are like a mix in between reptilian and human or evil, you know, but that's not true. There are many different kinds of Anunnaki's right now. So it's a very general word, you know, it's like saying human, you know, for most part. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I tend to think of them as as humanoid, like our genetic ancestors who were, you know, in the Bible, they're giants. Well, when they came to earth, let's say it was four or 500,000 years ago, there were Neanderthals. Neanderthals are like, what, five feet three. So if you were six, if you were six, five or six, seven, which is a normal human height, right. uh, For people to play basketball anyway, that they would look like giants. Or even if they were six feet tall, they would look like giants. They would seem like giants. So that's where the giants moniker comes from. I don't see that they're genetically all that different from us. And the other thing, too, is the Bible talks about how they saw the daughters of men were fair. I don't know how Neanderthal women could be fair, but and, you know, <laughs> they bred with them. And yeah. it's like if, you, if they were 18 feet tall, like some of these depictions, that's just not physically possible. So the baby would kill the girl. Um, so I don't I think that was all that all felt like bullshit. So you're saying Anunnaki is a reference more to generally different species visiting the earth not one specific humanoid species is that is that yeah, correct truly it, there's a truth in which they hold like it's like a common factor within their genetics meaning that they have like a common origin that's why they share that's why they collectivize you know among each other because they do have a like common origin but because they're the there are many different groups, you know, that, you know, to different paths, you know, in evolution, in, in genetic iterations, in, you know, politically and et cetera, you know, um, spiritually, that we're talking about many different, many different castes, you know, many different families or, or races, you know, altogether. But, you know, the thing about the giant thing, I do believe that there were some that were giant because I've seen them, you know, in my contact experiences. Now, I do agree that that part of our hybridization, you know, like high, like, giant kind of like species with like very shorter much much shorter you know species like mixing together doesn't make sense you know uh, i will kill you know the mother obviously it will not make sense you know or the baby and mm-hmm. so i don't understand how that genetic iteration was made about like the human creation let's say 
But I believe that there was a lot of technology, you know, involved, obviously, because otherwise it would not be possible. But um, not just regarding the height, but regarding, you know, the compatibility and also like many other species were part of, you know, creating us. So I believe that it was not made in a way that we can understand to the day of today, scientifically speaking. But um, I've seen the ones that are taller and they're not much, much, much bigger than us. You know, I do believe in the giants, but uh, not much giant ones, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, they are, well, like I said, well, I was just going to say there, it's like a basketball player is a giant compared to most guys. Uh, but it's sort of that does that genetic t trait come from them? It seems like logical to me. Yeah, well, the, the ones that I have contact, that I'm in contact with, you know, uh, they are there too, you know. First, we have the Nordic Pleiadians, Anunnaki's from Aldebaran. And then I have the the blue skin giants from Capricorn, you know, which are, um, you know, uh, they are like bigger than us, you know. I will say, um, I work with meters, like three meters. Okay, that's that's more than seven feet tall. That's close to eight exactly. feet tall. Yeah, yeah, eight but or nine. It's true that they're like very big, and there are others that are even bigger and brown skin. You know that I am not that I don't like because they attack me and they're regressive. You know they don't like what I'm working, who I'm working with, so they attack me. So. Those ones are much bigger than the ones that I'm working with and they're brown skin and they have like a long beard, you know, like a long, very long beard. And those ones are not positive, you know, to me. I'm not saying that they're not um, other Anunnaki's who like them who might be positive, but at least those were not nice to me. <laughs> the blue skin ones and the normal. Yeah, that, you see the long beards in a lot of the Sumerian um cylinder seals and so forth so you think that's the i call it the zz top phase of the anunnaki visitation <laughs> right because there's an american band where the guys have beards like that um is that who they is that who this who were hanging out in mesopotamia you know yeah in, in mesopotamia and sumeria there was these um anunnaki um yes anunnaki beings that were definitely leaving their their their, their genetic the ones from the ones from capricorn Okay, interesting. All right. Uh, so. Well, it, I don't know who exactly you know that they were like the ones, the ones that were in Mesopotamia, but I yeah. just I, I just said that I know I am in contact right now with two different Anakis, you know, that are positive, you know, that are my positive contacts. So you consider uh, the term Anunnaki to refer to um, like a group of extraterrestrials, not a specific race. Right. Exactly. Honestly, okay. Like a group of extraterrestrials, more like. Yeah. So that's what the word probably means. Well, that would mean there was all kinds of visitors coming to Earth then in ancient times, and probably doing and manipulating um, our genetics in different ways. Okay. Um, I guess uh, I want to talk to you about some of the other races that you mentioned. Uh, Alex Collier is a contactee who I I generally like his information when he talks about. The universe is physical universe is made up of light and sound. That makes sense to me. I believe that's yeah. correct because you're talking about interfering waves of light and sound. And the more sound gets into the light, the more it, the vibration slows down and the more solid it becomes. And I, that all makes sense to me in terms of the hyperdimensional nature of the, of the universe that we live in. Uh, so he talks about blue Andromedans. So why don't you tell us about the Andromedans that you know, and what do you think about Alex in general? Well, Alex Collier was like a main figure to me in my awakening when I was 15, 16 years old. 
Because, like, I was drawn to his um, information, like, intuitively, um, all, all the way, you know, when I was researching the whole thing about Anunnaki's, you know, positivity contact, you know, I had a long list, you know, when I was finally becoming aware of like the, um, like more consciously as a, as a teenager, you know, of all these different group, positive groups, you know, helping us. And among all of the contactees that I saw on the list, the name Alice Collier from Andromeda resonated with me so much that I felt the need, you know, to research him on YouTube. And the first video that I saw of him, it was a webinar that talk in which he talked about, you know, the pole shift, you know, about the transition to a uh, four density and the higher, you know, frequencies coming to earth, you know, and all these different terms. It was the first time in my life that I will hear them, you know, well, the first time, you know, that I will hear them, you know, frequency, vibration, you know, like all of this, you know, consciousness. And I was like, oh, yeah, like my reaction was like, I forgot about this, but this is true, you know. So it made sense to me and I continue forward, you know, with listening to him. And my impression right now is that his information is very, um, very interesting, you know. Um, but he personally, right now, like in the beginning, might not be what I think of him. You know, I, I thought very positively of him and I still do. But right now, as to like um, um, the pers from the perspective of where I am today, and all the things that I lived, you know, when I listen to him, I still feel like a little bit of a, like a fear-based, uh, you know, belief, vibration. Yeah, again, people. the whole thing of, you know, we're in orbit around the planet and more yeah, and within the with the Oh, why don't you take care of your planet? It's like, we do take care of it. It's fine. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's like, give me a break. So I got some of that, but I did like his message in general. And gosh, I mean, I think the first thing I saw was like a, a seminar he did in like 1993 was the first time I came across him. And I, he seems like a good guy. Uh, but yeah, I think, again, I think he's been manipulated. Yeah, there you go. I, the same thing. Um, I do perceive the same thing that he's a good guy. He's trying to do his best thing, you know, to help the world. But, you know, and his message is altogether good. You know, his information, I do really believe him, you know. But, like, still, I feel there's a little bit of fear-based, you know, beliefs, you know, within right. his you know, consciousness that he still cannot get, like, disattached from. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if you know, look, here's the thing. If you base your whole shtick or whatever it is you are as as a, a UFO person, you know, on something specific, like I, mine's based on the face on Mars. That's where I got started. Right. I know it's artificial. I know somebody built it. Maybe we can ask you questions in the third segment about that. Um, but if that were proven to be completely false, I'd, I'd have to be like, well, now, now who am I? Right. So it's yeah. hard for people to like, even though I'm totally hundred percent confident that's never going to happen because I know my shit, but um, you know, I mean, so he's probably still clinging to this. I wanted to ask you though, the Andromedans that you've encountered are are they blue skinned or was that just one small species from Andromeda that he dealt with? Because um, he talks about them as being blue skinned. The very interesting thing about my contact with Andromedans is that I never seen them. Like whenever I will have contact with them, like in my dream state or astral state, they will not want to show themselves like how they look like, and I never knew why. Like they will take into screens, you know, of people that I know within my consciousness and they will, you know, take that suit, you know, and they will look like my teacher or like my friends or like right. members, but they will, 
they never wanted to show me how they look like, which I don't know why it would be, but you know. Well, you know, I had, and again, I've had rare encounters and they're all in a sleep state, but I know that that was really being visited and three of them in my bedroom once. And it was, they looked like grays, except their, their faces were like a flat screen, but it was almost like a kaleidoscope where you had part of a face and part of a face in three different segments. And they were trying to, well, you know, we need you to help us. We need you to help us. We need you to get the word out. We can make you really famous and important and all this stuff. And, and, and I said, yeah, of course, well, I appealed to my ego. And I said, I said, I don't, how can I trust you when you won't even show me your real faces? And they said back to me, that would just frighten you. (laughs) So so maybe that's why they aren't showing you their faces. I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that the reason why they didn't want to show me their, their look is not because I will be necessarily scared or judgmental but because that will interfere in the way that I will perceive them you know because at the you know at the beginning of my awakening I was very I based my yeah like everything was very superficial in terms of ET contact you know and racist so I think they didn't want the focus to be on there on how they look like but rather on what their message was you know I think that you know I don't know (laughs) Okay, we got about a minute left, minute and a half left in this segment. I want to ask you about two more because then I want to move on to some other aspects of what your knowledge is. Uh, I understand the Arcturans. My my take on the Arcturans is that they tend to drink a lot and they're very unreliable. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> a joke between me and my brother. Uh, what do you know about the Arcturans, the Lyrans, and can you fill us in a little bit on the Syrians in the next minute? Go. Sure. The Arcturians are the most like one of the most wise, spiritually wise people, like very spiritually integrated, you know, beings. So they will be like the ones that will be like very of trust. Like you can trust them a lot. You know, I haven't really seen Arturians that are fucked up, you know, <laughs> just going. <Okay. laughs> um, so I think that whenever you're like in the worst moment of your life, their Arturians will be pretty much of help. But they're so, so, so like beyond what we expect to be like spiritually awakened that you know, their their content might be very, very deep and wise. So you have to be on that level of, you know, you know, receiving that kind of level of spirituality, like very deep, you know. And also they're they're very bothered, you know, that like they don't bother. If you don't want to contact them, they will not bother. If you want, they will contact you. But they're not they don't insist on anything specifically. They're okay, they, we're, we're, they're not gender based. We're not gonna make it. We're gonna have to come back, we're not. guys. We'll be back with part three of this interview with Marina Saren right after this. Thanks for watching. Hi, welcome back. This is part three of our interview with, I don't know how to describe you, contactee. Um, what, how do you describe yourself? Experiencer, Marina Sarah? Um, yeah, depending on the context, but yes, like experiencer, contactee, or medium psychic. <laughs> okay, so we just got through, I think I may have interrupted you with the Arcturans. Is there anything you want to finish off about them? And then we'll talk about the Lyrans, and I'd like to know about the Syrians. Uh, like their skin color and what they look like and that kind of stuff. Go ahead. Yeah, so again, the Arturians are very wise, very spiritually deep, you know. Some of them are not existing anymore um, at all in a physical um, um, in a physical expression because they have evolved beyond past that, you know. And they're very, yeah, they are very all about, you know, unconditional love and they teach you a lot about all these things. And, you know, 
they can be great guides, you know, but um, and they can be even very humorous. So I, I have nothing negative to say about them. I think they're the, one of the only ones that I don't have anything bad to say about them. So, yeah, that's it, you know, and the Syrians. Um, well, the Syrians, I have not had like I didn't really have like a lot of experiences with them, to be honest, to be fair. It's true that I been I became aware at 17 that I was part of another um hybrid program that was not with the greys and I think I saw some beings that resembled the Syrians you know but I I don't know if they were Syrians or not so I cannot really tell well, what, can, what do the Syrians yeah. look like what do they look like Syrians and some of them are blue skinned you know some of them are like very humanoid looking and like Nordic looking you know it depends you know because um, there, there are two stars in Sirius, so it depends. Because you know, but I don't have a, like a lot, like strong contact with the Syrians, you know. Um, okay. So I can um, say much about them. What about the Lyrans? What do they look like, and what's their agenda? The Lyrans, um, there are some that are very humanoid looking, because humans, you know, or humanoids originate from Lyra, you know, the constellation of Lyra. So, um, Biga. So they, there are some that are very humanoid, and again, they're very wise, very, very spiritually deep, you know. They have evolved, you know, a lot, so they have a lot of very advanced technology, knowledge, you know, and abilities. They're very psychic. They're, they have a lot of psychic abilities. And there are some Lyrans that are feline-looking. I... Yeah, I've seen them in my dreams, but again, I didn't have like a strong, you know, like a one, like direct strong connection to them, you know. Okay, so you said that they're, they're, that's where the human race originated is in the constellation of Lyra. Do you have a specific star that was the. Yeah, be Beetle, Beetle. Beetlejuice. Be be no? No, be like V E J um, A. Oh, Vega. Vega, yeah, sorry. Vega, or, yeah. Translate the, the pronunciation Vega, meaning. Vega, if you're a Vega, if you can, yeah, Vega. <laughs> Which, that's yeah. fascinating, because that's what Carl Sagan used as the home world for the, the film Contact and the book Contact. Oh. Maybe he knew something. Uh, well, he knew a lot of shit that he didn't talk about, that he lied about, too. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so Vega. All right. I didn't catch that when you were talking. That's interesting. Um, you know, it reminds me, when... When we landed on the moon in 1969, and uh, we did, I'm not going to argue that with anybody. We had all the engineering skill. I don't know what you think about that, but I'm I'm 100% we went to the moon. Neil Armstrong, when he stepped on the surface of the moon, said that's one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. And people always interpreted that as, well, he made a mistake. He meant one small step for a man, meaning me, and one giant leap for mankind. But that's not what he meant. What he meant is that's one small step for us, Earthers, hum the human race as we understand it on the planet Earth. One small step for man, meaning the greater mankind, men and women, or man, and one giant leap for mankind, meaning all of the other humanoid races that populate this part of the galaxy. And I think in that context, his statement makes absolute sense. And he's never really elaborated on the meaning of it for him. So, um, it's interesting to, as I look at NASA, one of the things I've built my career on and talked about is, 
is that, you know, they've done a lot of, they've had a lot of religious aspects to what they do. There's a lot of homages to the ancient Egyptian gods, Isis, Osiris, Horus, and Set. And they were, I think, Aryan gods from some other world that came here. And something happened that, you know, changed the Earth's uh, the year from 360 days, which is where we get the 360 degrees in a circle thing, to 365 or 364 and some change or whatever it is. And they be, believe in all these myths and they would land with the stars in certain alignments above the landing site. Some of the, th the stars being the belt stars of Orion, the star Sirius. Um, do you think that this is part of um, getting the message out? Or do you think that when they do that kind of stuff, they're just trying to make sure that they're doing it under the auspices of their gods from beyond? I didn't quite well understood the question. Well, what when NASA performs these religious rites and religious practices, which they do, and I've got books, reams full of the things they've done, celebrating these stellar gods of ancient Egypt uh, oh. and others. Do you think that they do that um, because they want their, their voyages to be successful or do they do it as a means of signaling to other people in the know, such as yourself, that, hey, you know, this stuff is real and you can believe in it. I believe it's both, you know, because, you know, I, if they truly believe in that and they practice as as part of their spirituality, why not to say it out loud so that anybody can know that they truly believe that because it's true for them, you know? So I believe it's both, you know, reasons. Yeah, because knowledge is power. And as long as we have the yeah. knowledge and you don't, that's why we created secret societies. That's why that's why they were because knowledge is power. And these guys were supposed to share this with the rest of the human race. And instead, they kept it for themselves and created churches and secret societies and tried to control and manipulate the human race for the last 2160 years of the occulted age of Pisces, which is now falling apart before our very eyes. So I like that. Um, OK, this brings us to. Um, couple of other things that may be a little bit more delicate in terms of subject matter. Um, but I want to ask you about um, when Hermann, you know who Hermann Oberth was? No. Hermann Oberth was a German rocket expert, and he was one of the leading oh. experts who hired Werner von Braun, Dr. von Braun, as his protege and brought him along in the secret societies in Germany in World War II. And I have it oh. from two people who spoke to him directly. He's, they tell the same story. They asked him, how did you got, how did the Germans achieve all this amazing technology, jet engines, and there's rumors about the Nazi bell, which I think was an anti-gravity reactor. Yeah, the Vril, anti-gravity anti reactor and all that stuff. How did you guys do all this? How did, how were you able to, to create all this technology? And he said, well, we had help from the people of other worlds. And he specifically talked about Aldebaran, I think. Yeah. And that yeah, brings yeah. us back to um, Maria Orsich and the yeah. Vril. And, you know, I'm just going to notice something here. Your name's Marina. Her name was Maria Orsich and Sarah. And they have a rhythm that's similar. Do you, let's first of all talk about the genetics. Do you think there's, are you some reincarnated version of her? Let's make that question short and simple to begin with. No, the thing about me is that I have two reincarnations in the Reich. They they happen simultaneously, meaning that um, I came back in time when I died in my first incarnation of the Reich, 
and I took into another different vessel. And I, there, there was a time in which two of my incarnations were coexisting at the same time. But then I continued that life and then die. And when I died in that past life, you know, my most recent incarnation, I reincarnated as Marina Seren. And in one incarnation, I was a member of the Verse Society. I was a real medium, but I was not Maria. And in the next one, I was an SS general, part of the Tuli Society, the Ananefe Society. And I was a Brigade Führer, which is the, um, a, gen um, a, brig a Brigade General, you know, of the Brigade. Brigadier General. And, yeah. Exactly. And I was actually the lover of Maria Orsic as a general, as that lifetime, as a general. Mm, okay. So, there is that. I mean, look, I, you know, I, I did, I wrote a book called Hidden Agenda about all of this stuff as I understood it to the depth to which I understood it. And um, they were using, they were using channeling and things that are common to us today to work towards technological solutions and to get scientific ideas. And, you know, there's a lot of negativity associated with, um, with the Nazi party, but I, I think it's important to sort of to emphasize that that there was a difference between an Ananerbi and, and the Vril and the Thule Society. They they were co-opted in a sense by the political side of things. They weren't, they didn't just join right in. So um that's fascinating. So are you saying too that you've only had two previous lives? No, I'm I'm or, saying or that those are the I'm two that are associated with this incarnation. No, I'm saying that among all the incarnations that I had, you know, in regards to the, the Reich, you know, I had two incarnations mm -hmm. there. You know, okay. In okay. And for that, during that period, that's pretty interesting. So there is a connection between you and them. And what what would you say is the, the positive aspect of Vril and how to use it? And how do people misunderstand what it's all about? Well, obviously, people misunderstand what it's all about because they are associated with politics and, you know, events in history, etc. So they're going to say they call her the the Nazi occult psychic of the mm -hmm. of the of Hitler, you know, mm -hmm. of the right. You know, and they just, you know, believe that is negative oriented. But, you know, it's not, you know, they th those societies were created um after they got, you know, many of those members were contacted by these Nordics of Aldovaran that I'm in contact with in this lifetime too. Um, they're helping me. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> listen to what listen to what she's saying right now because apparently it's true. I just looked at my phone and that's what was going on. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. So they were contacted by specifically Maria. I know her story. She got contacted by the Nordic Zonal and she was she was living in Vienna in Austria. And she was told she was shown um, these beings, you know, these Nordic beings, and they they will contact her and reach out. And immediately she felt like a, a feeling of like belonging to them, you know, like mm -hmm. like she was part of them, you know, in another life. And she understood, you know, that they were um, they were positive oriented. So she understood she will, was um, introduced, you know, to these beings and they explained who they were. And one day Marie Orshik felt the need to write something, you know, like automatically. And she grabbed a piece of paper and a pants or whatever. And she started writing things that she didn't comprehend, you know. And um, then she understood that she had the ability 
uh, to reach out to them like psychically and to channel, you know, information coming mm-hmm. from them, you know, and to transcript it into like information, you know, in papers, you know, and, and something solid, you know. And so she was guided to go to Munich, you know, in Germany, where she, where she will meet other women like her that were also psychic and they were also getting contacted by these, you know, Nordics. And they, that is where they created the real Gesellschaft or Gesellschaft, you know, which is real society. Mm-hmm. And they will, it will, it will be named, you know, the um, Doshes Gesellschaft für Metaphysics, which means, you know, the real, the German society for metaphysics, which was all at first about, you know, researching, you know, metaphysics, you know, for many different purposes. And, you know, Maria Orsica started channeling in a language that was not um, her native tongue which she believed she was connected to the ancient uh, Germans, like Teutonic Templars, you know, yes. uh, it was very, you know, very ancient. So um, eventually they had all this information, they know all these different things, but they needed somebody to translate, you know, those scripts, you know, into understandable, you know, knowledge and, and, and guidelines, you know. So they came in contact with members of the Tuli Society and members of the um the Her, you know, the Her was the German um army and even the SS or the that was much later, you know, much, much later, you know. because uh, before there was the SA. And so um eventually they all started collaborating in this project which was the translation of these scripts and they found out they knew that it was anti-gravity technology in which they will use real this energy and they will be taught about what is real and the ancient you know hyperboreans the ancient atlanteans being superhumans the beings from the inner earth m- being masters of this energy called real and where did they got this word from the word real well it, it came first uh, um in the 20th no in the 19th century from a an author called edward Bolton. you know he created um a novel called the coming race which was about inner earth um, civilizations that were masters of the real energy and they will be able to use it, you know, to heal, to, you know, energize anything, you know, as a backbone, you know, against their enemies or even, you know, use psychic abilities, you know, anything they could, you, you can imagine. So these beings eventually, you know, um, these people, you know, the, the real, the Tuli, they started working together and they... They brought scientists, you know, German scientists to work on this. And they finally, they eventually got to create, after many trials, they eventually created the Hanibus, you know, the flying saucers. Flying saucers, yeah. Exactly. And so they were able to travel, you know, across. So they were the- able to convert this spiritual energy and spiritual concept into mechanical technology. Yes. Which is which is fascinating stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you look at you look at the shape of the Hannibals and the flying saucers, there's that central core. That's where the Nazi bell goes. That's the anti gravity reactor with which had this material in it that nobody really understands how it worked and a lot of counter rotating magnetic fields and all this other stuff. Exactly. Fascinating stuff. And if you take clockwise and clockwise, yeah. You're right. You're right. That's the dynamics. You know, that's right. And, and, you know, that's what Oberth meant when he said the people of other worlds have helped us because this information came from other other worlds and it's, it's fascinating stuff, how they were able to accomplish most of these things, which, um, which even today we don't publicly talk about, um, you know, because for fear of, of uh, getting kicked back, you know, the other thing too, is people don't know world war two, 
was there were financial reasons for it, but it was fought. It was basically a war between the the Knights Templar and the Teutonic Knights split in like the 1400s. And the Teutonic, the Knights Templar went underground and reemerged as the Freemasons. So World War II was a war between the Teutonic Knights and and the Knights Templar. That's what the that's what the war was all about. And that's why they helped they, you know, hid the Ark of the Covenant and Nova Scotia and all the different things that they did. And why Hitler was fascinated with getting all these artifacts and so forth that uh, he thought would give him an advantage or spiritual power. So that's what caused that war. And it's fascinating. It's fascinating to look at it from that perspective, because if you look at the or, well, why do you think he called the invasion of Russia Operation Barbarossa? I mean, that was a coincidence because he was Frederick Barbarossa was a, was the head of the Knights Templar Order. So um, are the Teutonic Knights Order. So. You know, again, when they split apart, they came back, they fought a war. Um, all of it benefited a lot of people financially, I guess, in the end. Yes. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you knew Maria Orsich in previous lives. There is some connection there. What, what people don't know, there's stories, but people don't know. What happened to her at the end of the war or when she disappeared from sight. I think it might've actually been 1944 was the last time she was heard from. Um, what happened to her? Do you know what happened to her? Did she leave the planet? Did she go underground and live out the rest of her life privately? What happened to Maria? No, it's true that many of these Germans that were in contact with these inner civilizations and connected to the Vrail, the Tuli society, um, they, decided to hide and not just hide, but like, let's say split from the civilization because they knew that they really didn't want it to be part of this matrix. So they took the advancements, you know, the advanced technology and, and the connections that they have at the moment, and they became a breakaway civilization. So many of them, you know, went to Antarctica, many of them went to Inner Earth or to mm -hmm. Argentina and different places or even Aldebaran. And something that it was known, you know, is that the real arena or the real mediums were so um, connected, so connected with, with the Nordic Fernaldevaran at heart than, and with the, the star system, you know, they felt that they were so um, connected to that star system and they, they came from there, their souls, that they wanted so bad to travel there, you know, because they perceived it as to be their home, their soul home, you know, planet. And so that's one of the things that was in their, let's say, bucket list, you know, in their desires, you know, in their wishes for the life, you know, to travel there. And so when things started to not go in the direction that, you know, like things started to become messy here in this matrix, they said, you know, we're down here for a while. And they went to Aldebaran and they stayed for they stayed there for like a long time. But right now in this century, in this year, I can confirm that they are back. Because I have been contacted by Maria Orsid herself, and she's still alive. And many people qu question themselves, how is she still alive, you know? Not only because she has become a master of real energy, which again, you know, it can be used for anything. It can, it can lengthen, you know, your, your lifespan, you know? It can literally make you, like, maintain yourself in a state of, of like, young state and to the point in which, you know, your cells are regenerating so bad, so good, you know, so bad, that you don't age at all, you know? So if you're such a master, you know, you can even lengthen your lifespan, you know? But it's true that actually, you know, many of, um, you know, uh, many of these people actually got to develop, um, like, um, age regressive technology, 
which can make you, you know, go, go back in time, you know, cellular speaking, you know. So, um, yes, I don't know exactly how she maintained herself alive. I cannot say one or the other theories for sure. Those are my hypotheses, but I can, I can tell for sure that she's still alive because she reached out to me. And I have seen her, you know, in, let's see, factions of the space program, you know, with the Germans, you know, that are part of this breakaway civilization. I've seen her in these contact experiences. And I have not just received contact from her, but I've seen her alive and working with them and in many different places, you know. All right. Well, tell her to come to Vegas. I want to buy her a drink. We'll have a glass of wine and I want to <laughs> want to interview her. So, um, yeah, not to not to tease you and make light of that because it. it well, it's possible with the world we live in, right? It is. And one of the things that sh they told me, the real, when they've gone in contact with me, is that I will be the represent the, the, the person that will represent the Braille society when it comes to disclosure. Like mm -hmm. they chose me, it seems, because I was one of them, you know, and they helped me remember that I was one of them. And they showed me many different memories. So, um, so because of what they said to me, I know it's possible that one day they're going to be able to show up and say, hi, we're here, you know. Okay, well, Maria, if you're watching, let's do an interview. I want to have an interview. <laughs> I want to I hear the real story of what, what happened. Um, and again, not, not to tease you or make light of that, but... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think we're going, we're heading into a period of incredible transition. I wrote a book called The Choice about it about 10 years ago. I, you know, described you the physical things that were driving it. The, the fact that human consciousness is controlled actually by the positions of the planets, by the spin energy that they create. And it ripples through the higher dimensions because we live in a hyperdimensional universe and affects our thoughts and our consciousness. And we are really about ready to break out into something new and better. And we've gotten up to this point before, and then we crash, and then we get up, and then we crash, and then we get up, and then we crash. This time, we've chosen not to crash. We've chosen to go forward into the uncomfortable reality. The uncomfortable new reality is what I think. But I wanted to ask you a few questions because there is a spiritual aspect to it. And I mean, my book is about the physical, but it's about how the physical relates to the spiritual and how you can confirm so many things, so many of these crazy things that we talk about, uh, these new age things maybe, are actually backed by science and experiment and, and things that people don't understand. And so there is this life energy all around us, but I wanna get your description of how you view the universe and people talk about dimensions. And I think we understand that. Like when I talk about a hyperdimensional universe, I talk about, I'm thinking of higher spatial dimensions where the physical laws such as they are, are different where we, you know, sometimes we have physical bodies in those, in those, um, those incarnations. And sometimes we don't, as it gets higher, I imagine you don't have a need for a physical body, but I see these things as all connected. And then we come down here to, to experience our lives and, do things in this, this three-dimensional reality. So one of the things though that's often talked about is density. And I'd like you to explain as best you can the difference between density and a dimension. In other words, what exactly does density mean and how are we going to experience that as things shift? Yeah, well, density states for, stands for, um, the level of let's say dimension is more referring us to like a region in a space and time it doesn't have to be like a physical 
like limitation of like a specific you know game like region like the limited space you know but like a, an actual physical space and time like a region of physical space and time that is the limited you know and has a it's it's main frequency is a determined frequency you know altogether you know it's vibrating at a, a very uh, specific frequency well right. density will stand more for the concept of your own let's say vibrational frequency in terms of state of being or consciousness not like a specific dimension but like your own as consciousness um per personal like vibrational um frequency you know so that density you know depending on uh, what level you are at, you know in your evolution how many layers of that fractal consciousness of your multidimensional consciousness you have reintegrated in your frontal personality in the physical personality which is let's say the point of um utter um um convergence you know of all these different aspects of your of your consciousness altogether so that you can have an experience you know your focus you know of experience you know your main um i think that how many aspects you have integrated within yourself of the higher frequency ones or many of your multifaceted versions of yourself determines that which density you are um existing you know at okay I would say. so um if i heard you correctly let me let me rephrase it so yes you know, please in a way that I, well no i mean i i just want to rephrase it so that maybe other people can understand it if i got it right Density you view as okay. First of all, a dimension is there's a there's frequencies. There's a there's a base frequency in this third dimension, exactly. and there's higher aspects. You can go higher and lower within a certain range around that. Exactly. Your density is where you are within that dimension in terms of your personal frequency, right? Where you are on that that curve. Exactly. And mostly because it's like more of a state of consciousness, you know, like altogether holistically, because we can travel to different dimensions and we do travel to different dimensions all the time. When we go to sleep, we're going to different dimensions. But it's one thing, you know, dimensions and one thing is your state of consciousness altogether, meaning how all the aspects of your multi faceted consciousness are reintegrated, you know, into your, let's say, principle harmonic, you know, mm -hmm. consciousness. Here, when, here. So when we go to sleep, do we like go out and pull pieces of different aspects of ourselves from up above there and bring them back down with us? Like, in other words, do we like rejuvenate every night and come back a little bit different, wake up a little bit different every morning? Well, the, the, the reason why we have to sleep is not to gain more energy because we are infinite energy. So energy is not less or more, right? It's just intensity depending on the frequency being, meaning uh, if it's higher or lower, you know, and that depends on your own state of integration, your own state of, you know, um, being, you know. So the reason why we need to sleep is because we are experiencing reality in a way that is um, fragmented into you know, we have the physical and we have the spiritual. And because we haven't integrated our spiritual self back into our bodies, into our vessel, into our, in our experience, you know, as human beings, we need to balance, you know, the two worlds. So we need to go to sleep, you know, for an amount of time in order to maintain that balance, you know, because we're both, but we haven't integrated them both at this, uh, in the same vessel or focus, you know, of experience jet you know so we 
we kind of go to sleep to regenerate our spiritual selves and or not regenerate right. but but reinvigorate our spiritual selves i guess right that's interesting that's really fascinating way to look at it i hadn't thought of that before all right we got about uh five or ten minutes left so i wanted to um i wanted to go with with is there anything else like in terms of there, there's a dis, a dispute between whether yeah. or not consciousness creates the universe or the universe creates consciousness and i'm a big believer that it's consciousness that creates the physical universe that we live in yes. there's, there's this three-dimensional universe and there's there's four dimensional there's five dimensional i don't consider time to be a dimension some people do i don't really call it a dimension to me and this is interesting i'm going to ask you this time is the physical is the spiraling physical forward movement of everything in the universe and if that stops that movement stops everything ends the universe ends so i want it to keep going because every atom in your body has a little electron i mean you're never at rest right so yeah. uh, i want to ask you about the nature of consciousness itself itself based on your experiences and what you've learned yeah and, and so is it is it do you agree with me that it's consciousness that creates the universe and our thoughts and everything that we we have in our mind? One hundred percent, it is, and we have physics to back that up, which is the double slit experiment. You know, yeah, the double slit experiment. If if anybody like you know would like to um, research it, you know, it basically explains to you that consciousness is the actual factor, the the element that you know, um, let's say, breaks that quantum system. You know. Mm -hmm. of probabilities into manifestation, you know, of an actual uh, objective reality, you know. So um, that's why we have the mental experiment of this Rodinger cat, right? Because it's consciousness what really manifests, you know, one quantum probability among the millions of infinite quantum probabilities that there might exist, you know. So yeah. it's 100% consciousness, the one that creates, you know, reality. If you had a singular message for the human race right now today not not you know <laughs> but right now today what would what would your message to everybody be today today it will be that i encourage people to open their minds you know and to question if they have been um let's say if they have been following certain messages like a sheep, whether if, if it's coming from the media, from the government, from the agency, I don't care who, but like whether if you have been, you know, an actual, you know, you, you've been behaving like a sheep, you know, and believing something just because they tell you is the right thing or is the correct thing or is the actual truth, you know, and you have feel some sort of connection and you just, you know, believe everything that comes out of your mouth. I encourage you to become, you know, an individual that stands out for your own uh, freedom, you know, your free, uh, your right to be, to, to think for yourself in all matters, you know, political or spiritual, whatever, you know, and to say, you know what, you know, I'm not going to just believe anything that comes from this person on this person or this person, you know, I think that the truth that is going to make it my own belief system is going to come from my own you know, determination, my own discernment, you know, because there are many channelers and there are many people who are telling the truth and there are many people who are telling lies. But what I want you to do is to discern, you know, to think for yourself, because I think it's time, you know, that we all understand that the truth is not going to come from one specific, you know, point, you know, we have many different truths, you know, and they don't have to invalidate each other, you know, 
There are many truths that can coexist because they're both real, right? What I'm asking you is to think for yourself, you know, to use discernment and to open your mind, please, you know. We've been programmed for a long time, so it's time to open your mind and think for yourself. I agree with that. That's great. Um, you were born at the perfect time then, because we're in the midst of what I I talked about in the choice, but I now call it the global sovereignty movement, meaning everyone is being Absolutely. to sovereignty, meaning I will choose my life. I will I I'm against anything that suppresses individual choice. Therefore, I'm against all governments, I'm against taxes, I'm against all kinds of things. Um, I don't, I believe that, that the, the soul, the human spirit has to be free to choose their own path in one way or another. Now, if that path is destructive to others, then we will respond to you about that, right? That, but that's your path that you've chosen. And I, I believe that God, and I call him God, people like to say the universe or source or whatever, I'm just going to call it God. I don't believe that God cares about good versus evil or what we judge to be good versus evil. I believe the only thing God cares about is balance at the end everything has to be balanced when the, when the books, okay. when the, when the, you know, look, everything, everything that we do is commerce in a sense. We make, we, we make commercial agreements with people, with souls and other, other people. That's why the Christian cross is, is uh it's a double entry accounting ledger. That's what the cross looks like because what they're teaching you is it's a, the Bible is a manual of commerce and how you, engage in contract with other beings and other souls in this planet. So, um, and I'll, you know, and that you encounter period. So the global sovereignty movement means that everybody's going to have to take more responsibility. And I, it's not an easy path, but I think it's the path that we've chosen and we're just moving into it. And I can't wait to move into it. I wish we'd get over all this fighting and crap that we have to go through and just get everybody to wake up. Cause they think, French want to be French, the Spanish want to be Spanish, Americans want to be Americans, and and we were all put on this earth for a reason to make a greater whole that complements each other. Um, so, okay, one final question. I I go through life. I believe that we have there's two aspects to this existence which are important, and that is that everybody has a soul purpose and a life path. Your sole purpose is what you came here to do, what you came here for. I know what mine is. I discovered it relatively late in life, past the age of 30. Um, and my life path, I understand it. I think that's depicted basically in numerology. If you get a good numerologist, you're going to know what your life path is. I think mine sucks. Okay. I, I want to change it. It's not where I, I'm not where I want to be. And I'm tired of waiting, but I can't really change that. But I wanted to ask you, what do you think is your sole purpose? And do you know what your sole purpose and life path are? I mean, it sounds like you were talking earlier about what you're here to do. That's kind of your life path. But uh, but go ahead and tell us if you can answer those two questions. What are they? Sure. I, I know that my life path and my sole purpose is deeply connected to how I got to uh, initiate my awakening. And is that when I was a child, I was very, very obsessed, you know, um, and excited about the idea of physics, you know, as a science. And I wanted to answer, you know, the questions to the universe, like why does the universe exist? Why do we exist? You know, things like that, you know. And when I was 15 years old or 16 years old, you know, it was that specific excitement that led me into, you know, um, 
that made me like go down the rabbit hole, you know, and and end up discovering metaphysics and spirituality and all these different things, you know. So it triggered my Kundalini awakening or whatever you want to call it. And it's what made me like realize all these different things, you know. And then in the secret space program, you know, physics was my like the thing that I will do besides being out psychic super soldier super soldier, you know. I was being imparted physics, you know, I was learning that, you know. And then I think back and I say, well, when I was, you know, a real psychic medium, physics and metaphysics is like was our purpose, you know, you know. So I started like like researching, like like connecting the dots, you know, of all these different things in common. And that common factor is physics or metaphysics, you know. And then when I got contacted by my um by these Anunnakis, both the Aldebaranians and the blue skin giants, you know, from Capricorn, they told me that because of the pole shift, you know, there was something going on, you know, with the earth, you know, with the magnetic, you know, um, electromagnetic body of the earth, and mm -hmm. that my brain was ductile, you know, and was very conductive, you know, of that field, and that I needed to do certain psychic work with them, you know, in order to help them, you know, and help, you know, the earth in something, you know, that I still, I'm still discovering, you know, and so I am receiving, you know, intensive guidance into what it is, and, um, I haven't, I, I will not talk, go very deep into this, you know, because it's very, you know, it's very deep and it's, it's a lot of things, but I know that that is my sole purpose and that is my main mission here, you know, my main. Because we have less than a minute to go here. Um, and yeah, the whole secret space program thing, we didn't even get into that. We'll have to do another, um, another interview sometime and we'll talk about that if you don't mind. Sure. Anytime. That sounds good. Um, okay, I'd like to thank my guest today, Marina Saren, for her thoughts and information. It was fascinating stuff. And I do believe you're getting it from somewhere and you're something about you that's important because nobody your age should be have that kind of knowledge. You have way more knowledge. So it must have come from somewhere. So uh, I'm going to post these, guys, these as um, premieres and stuff on YouTube on a few other channels. We're going to put them out piece by piece. Marina, thank you very much for joining me today that file there you go okay um marina once again uh thank you for being here i really appreciate all the information you uh your knowledge is uh, fascinating the breadth of it the depth of it is fascinating and we have more to talk about we'll have to do another uh, session sometime soon and we'll talk about the secret space program that'll be shorter and um i just really appreciate you being here and for sharing everything that you know and i look forward to hearing what you have to say in the future yeah, thank you for this amazing conversation. Uh, it was very interesting questions and very interesting, you know, um, things that you share in your part. So, you know, thanks again for having me and looking forward for the next one. You're welcome. Okay, guys, that's Marina Saren in Madrid, Spain. I'm Mike Barrett in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm having a better time tonight than you are. <laughs> uh, everybody have a great one and we'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks very much. Bye. Perfect. <laughs> Kill the recording. Kill it. Kill the recording. <laughs>